Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Game on Sunday podcast. Michael Lester here with you. And again, I'm joined this week by Tomas Vagahi and Pat Spillan. But also, if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, we've had special guests on and we have another one this week. And I'm delighted that we are joined here by top referee, referee for this year's All-Ireland Football Final, David Goff. David, it's so much of a pleasure to have you with us. How are you keeping? I'm good, Michael. Uh, thanks for having me on. Listen, you're more than welcome. We're more than welcome as well. Can I just say one thing to you, David? Uh, you were described a little while back, I don't know exactly where, by Joe Brawley as probably the best referee in the country. Now, that must be a worry. That's some turnaround <laughs> from 2019, Michael, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll all mention the war, so we'll move on. <laughs> well, now, I know I know he did a feature with you. I, I can't actually remember, Dave, how long back, uh, but for his column in the paper and that kind of stuff. So so obviously he was, he was kind of getting on well with you. I know, we've always gotten on well. I mean, he... He has been a huge supporter of mine um, ever since I started out my refereeing career, but particularly since, I suppose, my coming out in 2015. And he was there on the day when we walked in Pride for the first time in 2019. He came down to support us in in, in Croke Park. And uh, he has been a huge supporter of mine. We, we get on very, very well. Um, you know, we're able to pick up the phone and have a discussion. Alas, I, I listened to his opinions and, and, and I enjoyed his stories. Um, so uh, we are close and, and we remain close you know the funny thing that I, I I don't know why we're talking about Joe Brawley here at the moment Patsville Land but anyway uh, seeing that we are um, I remember one day in Croke Park or going to Croke Park and Tyrone were playing and after the match walking out of Croke Park with them down uh, Clonliffe Road or whatever it was um, and the the abuse that he was getting from Tyrone supporters for for very good reason and whatever. So I decided that I would duck down the side road, obviously, because I didn't want to get a tatter myself and that. (laughs) 
But by the time I got down to the end of the road, down towards Ballybock, there were there were Tyrone fellas with their arms around them. And I'm thinking to myself, what the Jesus happened in the meantime? Kind of, you know. He obviously just charmed them. <laughs> That's a joke. That's Joe. That's Joe. That's exactly That's Joe. It. He he can he can be public enemy number one for one for the what, for five minutes and the following five minutes he's the is a hero. Look, that's what makes Joe, Joe that's what makes Joe so lovable and that's why he's box office. That's exactly but, it. But but Pat do you agree but do you, Pat, Pat, do you agree with everybody's assessment of David Coff of being as being the best referee in Gaelic football? I do. I think I've said that before. In actual fact, that infamous day of two thousand and nineteen I was the only. I was the sole member of the three pal, of the three fellas on the panel that was defending David Goff's decision in relation to Johnny Cooper because it, without wearing my Kerry hat or Kerry, I knew that what David had done was was actually correct. And Joe disagreed that he was wrong. Joe said he was wrong. And as you know, with Joe, he has that ability to suck somebody in with you, with agreeing with him. And that day, he sucked Kieran Whelan in to agree with him as well. And uh, as you know, the rest is history. <laughs> Joe, Joe got Joe got the bullet. Uh, Save my job for another year. So I, I'm thankful to Joe, and I'm thankful to for David Goff's interest. But I mean, I, I, Dave Goff is the best referee in Gaelic football. And I, I, I tell you this now. You know, this year now, I said I always remember watching this year's final, and when Paul Gailey scored the goal, I said, "Geez," I said, "We've dodged a bullet here." Two hops. Uh, uh, and, and I sort of, I actually stopped the, the television and I re- I played it back and I said, oh yeah, two hops. And David Goff got that decision spot on. And it was just like, and this is what the brilliance of David Goff is. And I, we don't want to be powdering him up now too much, but. No, I, keep like, that's go on. Yeah. T- but but <laughs> that particular, like that <laughs> particular, I mean, yeah, but we talk about, you know, like, okay, it's very easy for us in the Sunday game studio, particularly in the night program. Uh, particularly in the night program, where we've watched an instant over and over in slow motion of slow motion, and it's not even easy for us to come to the decision and say the referee got that wrong. But I remember, I mean, and the difficulty referees have, it's a split-second decision. They haven't, no, no replay, no slow motion. But that instant with, with Paul Ganey was so quick. But Paul Ganey's uh, speed of thought in taking the second hop, but getting his foot to the ball on the wheel was absolutely brilliant. Brilliant by Paul Ganey uh, to do that, and brilliant by David Coff to spot it because ninety nine by nine percent of the people, including myself, that watched that said, "Oh, gee, two options should be a free out." So there you are. And you were happy with the David Clifford one at the other end, Pat? Uh, I, I tell you this, uh, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I believe it or not, I swear to God, I didn't. I don't have an opinion on it. I actually thought, yeah, I, I didn't. Did I see it as being? The first half, Kerry got beaten in the All Ireland final, uh, and Kerry had no excuses. It wasn't the referee that beat them. It wasn't a decision by David Goff to beat them. Uh, they were they were yeah. beaten by a better team. Uh, probably, if I was nitpicking, I would say the instance involving Tom uh, Costello and Tom O'Sullivan was the only one I said, hmm, a bit contentious. I think Tom Costello got away with one. But look, I'm nitpicking. Now, hang on a second, Pat. Um, I, I, I accept what you're saying, but David. You know as well as I do that after the All Ireland final, there was a lot of people in Kerry, not everybody, but a lot of people who thought that you were either too hard on Kerry or too soft oh. on Dublin. I, you know the crack yourself. I mean, obviously you've been a referee for a long time. 
this is not news to you, kind of feel. How do you how do you react to to all that kind of stuff? Because obviously these days, it's not just fellows talking down on the pub. It's all on social media. Well, I avoid social media. Um, I've learned my lesson the hard way after 2016 um, um, when I when I refereed Dublin and Kerry in an All-Ireland uh, semi-final. Um, and I've just come off it. I don't have a Facebook account. I don't have an Instagram account. I do have Twitter. I keep that for, for bits and pieces. But what I've learned um, dealing with sports psychologists and, and, and bits and pieces is that actually generally people's opinions don't matter to me. The only people whose opinions matter to me are my fellow referees who referee at the same level as me and maybe my friends and family who know who I am, where I've come from and what I stand for. And they're the only opinions that ever matter to me. Um, everyone else outside of that, it wouldn't bother me at all. There are very few people in the country that know what it's like to referee an All-Ireland final, let alone an All-Ireland final between the two greatest teams in the country, Dublin and Kerry on front of 82,500 and the pressure and stress and, and difficulties that presents. So I do my own analysis. I don't really mind what anybody else thinks. That was now, brilliant, David. Can, can, I, David yeah. hear that? Can, I, can I just ask you, in terms of match day, what's your preparation like in terms of match day? All the hype is about the players and arriving in the team bus and wherever they come from and the supporters and all that. What's it like for David Goff? Um, well, match day, well, it starts really on uh, 10 days beforehand when you get the phone yeah. call from Croke Park. So on the Wednesday evening around six o'clock, I would have got a phone call from the National Match Officials Manager, Donald Smith, to say that uh, the crack committee had uh, uh, appointed me as referee and that Larry McCarthy would have, 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 have signed off on it. And I have to then inform my umpires and I have to sit quiet on it then for, for a, 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 a period of time, yeah. Because uh, the the other match officials have to be told the standby referee, um, mm-hmm. linesman, and fourth official. And even though I know who they are, it is not my job to to ruin their day and tell them in advance they deserve the respect of receiving a phone call from Croke Park. And even though they would have text to see any news, did you hear anything? I wouldn't tell them because uh, I like to think that you know they they deserve the text messaging. But then it all starts on the Thursday morning. You know, the, the press release goes out and, and the yeah. just start flowing in and well wishes. But that's when I go into my organization mode. Like I have my WhatsApp group set up with the lads. Yeah. We I have the umpires all sorted. Um they, they would have known from the night before. I get in contact immediately with Justin Campbell, who's our um referee. I don't I don't want to call him a psychologist, but he's a counselor for us. I, I went to meet him. Um, for two hours down in the Johnstown House Hotel, spoke to him about fears, possible things that could happen in the match, um, communication with with, with uh, the match officials, because some of these match officials I might not have worked with before. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, it's hugely important. We we spend the week beforehand on phone to one another on the Thursday night before the All-Ireland. We, we go out to Abbottstown, we do a training session. We have a seminar um, with video clips. Uh, we speak to the national match officials manager and and the head of referees, and then it's just organising, you know, an awful lot of other things like like gear. Um, you know, Co Park will look after your jerseys, but if you want the lads kitted out and stuff, and Mead were yeah. to me this year, and the club were fantastic and providing all that, and you have to get all that logistical stuff organised yourself. We don't have a logistical manager like the Dublins or the Kerrys. Yes. We're put up in Castleknock from Saturday afternoon. We've Saturday and Sunday night in the hotel there. Um, and they're fabulous 
with us, you know, we've contacted them. We'd asked them not to put us over a, a dance floor for a wedding, you know, that would be well removed. <laughs> <laughs> you guys laugh, but it's happened in previous years. And oh, no, 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 I, 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 like, I'm, I'm, I'm on Ireland. You David, know? I'm, I'm laughing the, because I've been there. <laughs> you know exactly what it's like. And it, we have to do all this ourselves. And I would have went in this year to Broad Park. I learned from 2019. I went in Saturday evening at six o'clock. I brought everyone's gear and suits in, everyone's kit bags, everything. So that when I left Saturday evening at six o'clock, I was back to the hotel. I didn't have to worry about anything. Everything was in Croke Park for me. And we got up the next day and you get a taxi into Croke Park and that causes issues as well. There's no guard or escort. We're going. Yeah. And it's really difficult and it's stressful. It is very stressful. We have to make our own way in there. And, you know, you can't go in this gate or you can't go down that street, turn around and you're sent back and. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know, it, it, it does take a lot of planning um, on our behalf to get us there safely. But once you get in, I mean, it's it's just game on. And it, I would have. I, to I'm just, I'm just, David. I'm so fascinated listening I to you as well. Yeah, because Brilliant. in in my in my 35 years presenting the Sunday game, I can't tell you the number of times that I had to argue my way into Croke Park. You know. You, you would think that you would just get a, a simple hello and welcome kind of, you know. Ah, look, that's a, that's a different story. You don't want to go down there. It is. Um, and that's just people doing their jobs and I suppose everyone's... Ah, do their job, I think. <laughs> David, David, doing their job, sometimes they don't even know what the job is. You know? I know that, Mike. I know, but like, the last thing I want to do is start arguing with some, someone at the point in yeah. Ireland final, you know. Um, I need to be as emotionally stable as they possibly can. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's it's hugely stressful. Um, and you get in and then, you know, there's the bits and pieces. You're, you're getting wired up by Mogi Communications. They're absolutely fantastic. I know they're going out to the World Cup for the rugby. They're brilliant. Um, and we're dealing with those in the dressing room. Uh, this year was really different for me in that there was no minor final. So yeah, yeah. It, yes. it was very strange. We were in there and there was nothing to watch. You know, we got in early, so we wouldn't be late. Um, uh, there was a bit of a pitch walk. You're meeting people saying hello. Um, you know, a couple of the stewards that you know or, or Jerry Grogan, maybe the stadium announcer. And yeah. People are coming over to wish you the best of luck and, and you're trying to stay on your own, but you're, you, you still don't want to be rude or disrespectful and, 
at three minutes past three, you have to be ready to to walk up those steps from the from the Cusick stand. You you have the pomp and ceremony of the parade um, meeting. Well, the president wasn't there this year, but Larry was. And people often don't realise, Michael. You know, you have a, a team manager or a coach or a captain there, and there's a huddle for the team afterwards, and everyone gets their concentration back and their message is delivered. We don't have any of that, and yeah. it's very very hard. It's a lot of intrinsic motivation to make sure that you're 100% right when you are, are, are ready to throw up the ball at, at, at 3.30 on Sunday afternoon. So and that puts, David, you, that puts you, David, into, as you've articulated very well there, um, a specific situation. I was watching there, whatever it is now, 10 days ago, Manchester United and Wolves in the Premier League, uh, one of the first games of the Premier League. And um, after the match, the, the overall officials of referees apologised publicly to Wolves because they felt that the referee should have given a penalty Correct. to them because they they claimed the new Manchester United goalkeeper tried to take the head off the other fella. I didn't see it that way myself, but I'm a Man U supporter. But anyway, um, is that is that difficult if 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 somebody kind of overrides your decision or or puts you in a difficult situation? I say. It doesn't happen in GAA, Michael. Crook sure, yeah. Come out and make public statements on referees' performances. And we have called for that at length inside ourselves that at times, you know, sometimes we need uh, someone from Croke Park to come out and back up our decision and say, well, no, David has got that right. But then we also have to accept that sometimes they're going to have to come out and say, well, look, he didn't get that right. And in, in that particular instance, those match officials were stood down by Howard Webb and the English That's SA. right. Yeah, yeah the word yeah. yeah. I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, it's a difficult one to take, but it's no different than a player who has a bad day at the office not starting the next day. I mean, sometimes... And and, and, and what people often forget um, is I'm out there on my own as a referee. If I have a bad day or I'm having a bad day, it can just get worse and worse and worse. There's nobody on the sidelines saying, right, lads, take them off now. You know, we'll put someone else in on them. Yeah. You're on your own and you're there for the full 70 to 80 minutes. And it, that, yeah. you know, that is our lot in life, and that's what we sign up to. Um, uh, sure, yeah. But I remember, David. If David, sorry, Mike. If I asked it in terms of, I, I was just reading up, and I presume this is still the case. Your, 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 your four umpires: your father Eugene, your brother Stephen, your yeah. uncle Terry, and your cousin Dean. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, all four. Yeah. Obviously, you trust them. Uh, an awful lot in terms of like you, you spend a lot of your time with them and obviously pre-match you've lots of discussions I'm sure going on and it, I think that's important though isn't it that type of I, relationship that you go in and have a word of with somebody I can't stress enough how important it is to have people you yeah I have yeah. travelled with match officials who have brought umpires to matches and the umpires might not be speaking to one another because there was a row between their two clubs in a championship match the night before yeah, in their totally. county and, and we're all family and people have often said, oh, it's not good enough for the referee just to be picking his brother or his father. It, it bloody is because they're the ones that will tell me, like my father did on the day, David, you've got that wrong. You need to come and speak to me. Very few other people would do that. And they would also know if I'm getting a little bit overexcited or heated or maybe said something I shouldn't, that my brother will come in straight away and say, David, cop on, uh, you know, and and it brings you back down to earth fairly quick. Um they're fantastic to have. They're such calm, collected people. And, and we have so much else to talk about, you know, when you're traveling to yeah. Cork or Donegal, that it's not all just football. 
that I can be relaxed and mm. might not find that I'm trying to maybe, I suppose, keep four umpires happy in the car that don't know one another or, or, or aren't that comfortable around one another. We're all family. We can talk about a myriad of different things. It doesn't have to be football. And that needs me very relaxed going in with a game. David, listen, can I just stop you guys there for a second, only for the reason, not that I'm not enjoying the conversation because I most certainly am. We just need to take a little pause or here on the Game on Sunday podcast. Um, and we'll be back with the second part of the podcast and the three lads will be staying with us. Just to say to you, those of you who are listening, that if you want to join us for part two, um, it is four euro to join up again. And you can get all the details if you go on the website and uh, and come back to us. But we we are uh, looking forward to the next part of this particular conversation. Thank you. Hello again, everyone. Michael Lester here with you on the Game on Sunday podcast. Tomas Valkahi, Pat Spillane. Uh, still with me here on the podcast and also this week we are joined by top referee David Goff who as I'm sure you know refereed this year's All-Ireland Football Final and mm-hmm. we've been chatting to David at length um, about uh, his various thoughts on on refereeing and so forth to, to just expand it a small bit if you like. Pat like from your own playing days or Tomas for that matter um, you spent a lot of times out there on the pitch with these guys, with these referees, and I'm sure, of course, there was. There's always frustrations with referees and that kind of stuff. But that's human nature, right? Uh, if there's a decision against you, you disagree with it, whether it's right or wrong. Anyway, uh, yeah. I wasn't. Uh, uh, David is lucky that he wasn't wrong when I was there because, <laughs> as, as as Seamus Aldridge described me as, I think just Seamus Aldridge described me as being the king of the cribbers. I unmounted nonstop. I, I I mean it, and that was me on the field, and I make no apologies about it. But the right. uh, no, uh, like I would have been, I would have been very very competitive on the field. I would be ruthless and in, in expecting every free to go my way and whatever like that. I feel sorry. I mean, as a as a pundit or as a supporter, I feel sorry for for football referees now, for GA referees in general, because I genuinely believe that their workload is too much for one person. And I think some of the tasks that referees are assigned maybe should be taken from them. But I'd like to know David's opinion. That I'm keeping is my big thing. I don't think I think we should introduce a time clock like in ladies football. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. Does the referee need help? I'd like David maybe up in rather than I think the workload is just savage on, on one person. Uh, not with the new technology we have and watches. We don't need that much help anymore. We're not wearing two watches. It's all on one interface, Pat. It's very simple. The watch vibrates on your wrist to remind you that it's stopped. And, you know, there'll be lads talking to your ear to tell you, make sure you've the watch stopped. It's it's not the most onerous thing right, to deal with. I would I would say... If, if you're talking about what is, is it's the constant introduction of new rules which drives me scatty. Um, I just can't understand why they're, why they're tinkering with everything so much and it's always if there's a problem or should we make a new rule and the referee will leave. Absolutely. I agree with you there, David, on that big time as well. Yeah. And I sorry, David, yeah. Yeah. Are, are referees consulted on implementation of new rules? We are supposed to be, but uh, you can see the new rules that are coming out in the leagues for the colleges yeah. next year. We weren't consulted on those at all. Jeez, so that's that's yeah. that. Absolutely daft. Daft. And David, if, if if I asked you right in terms of 
we'd say that, look, the incident this year, Cotton Kerry, the penalty incident, and people understanding the rules didn't happen, right? You, uh, Pat has mentioned about the uh, um, the two hops for Paul Ganey and stuff like that, right? Then you had the David Clifford. For, for you, we'd say we have Hawkeye. We have an official in, in, in the stands, particularly in terms of Hawkeye. Do you think there's any way they could be expanded a bit further in terms of I don't know. I can't maybe there or something like that. Just yeah. for that split second for you in terms of you are happy to, with the Paul Gady situation, but would you have liked another look at it or somebody had another look at it just to say, yeah, that's the right call? There are times, um, Tomas, when you would like a second look at something. Um, yeah. But we need to be very, very careful about what limits we put on it or is it... Oh, yeah, agree with you there. I mean, yeah. if someone's taking a fifth se- step and the ball ends up in the back of the net, more often than not, that's not blown. But we'd be in a stupid situation then where, you know, you, you'd have to be very careful as to what you could look back on. I would say um, about Paul Ganey, um, I know anecdotally, having spoken to the Kerry team uh, when, when Peter Keane was in charge, about their knowledge or lack of knowledge at the time of the rules, Paul has the rule book downloaded to his phone. He, I made a particular attempt at the time to encourage them to learn the rules so they'd learn how to play inside. Brilliant, yeah. And when that incident happened in Cork, Paul was able to get up off the ground. It's interesting that it was both times Paul Gini knew what yes. to do. Paul yes. was able to Brilliant. come around to me and said, David, that's a black card and a goal-scoring opportunity. He knew <laughs> I had a decision made. And he knew himself because he knew how to play inside the rules. And it was so smart because he put me under pressure straight away. I knew it was a penalty. Uh, I knew it was a black card offence, but he was just doubling down on that and he, he he was so intelligent to be able to do that. And I would often encourage players, get the rule book out and learn it because there are situations where you could find yourself, you know, receiving a better decision because you, you've put pressure under the referee because you know your rules and the language of it. And So the message there was send the rule book to the cop footballers. <laughs> <laughs> and send that three copies to the carry boys. <laughs> they know the rules. Yeah, oh, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but David, just on that on that side of it, right? That's brilliant. And do you get the opportunity then, as being a top referee, to relate the rules to managements or players or kind of pre prior to games or prior to to a kind of a session or anything like that to to outline what what's what's expected? If you were invited, um, I, I would have given presentations mainly tr- for Peter um, Keane in, in Kerry um, to, to the to the football footballers of Kerry just about about rules and the knowledge of the rules. Okay. I would be completely open to it. But Jesus I was present. They're cute enough. They're cute enough down there, David. And they're, they're very cute. Oh, saying, well, uh, uh, lads, no, 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 lads. I have to tell you that story because, yeah, uh, uh, Miko was the key. I mean, Miko was the cutest of the cutest of the cutest. And I remember at one stage uh, that the GA decided to clamp down on the hand passing because obviously Kerry and Dublin had brought it to an act where you couldn't differentiate whether it was thrown or hand passed. So anyway, they brought in the GA issued a directive anyway at some stage in the whatever eighties uh, or uh, that uh, they were going to clamp down on the hand passing that the clear striking action had to be seen and do 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 that sort of quick flick was gone. So Miko brought down, anyway, one evening at the Fitzgerald Stadium, Miko brought down the man who'd be refereeing in the final, Eddie Collins, uh, an absolutely brilliant referee. Absolutely, uh, in my day, probably the greatest of the referees in my day. Anyway, they brought down 
Miko brought down Paddy Collins. Uh, uh, he got us around in a big circle in the middle of the field and he got Paddy to demonstrate uh, exactly what the new ruling was and the clear striking. And we, Miko was in the middle and passed the ball to each one of us. And is this all right? No, Paddy. That's fine, Miko. Uh, and again, and Paddy did it to us. And is this all right? No, Paddy. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and then in. So we did that for maybe 20 minutes. Paddy, we all hand passing. Yeah, it's just a game, mate. Oh, yeah, it's fine. And yeah, big round of applause. Big round of applause. Paddy got his best of three in the game. And uh, thanks again. A big, and we send Paddy off. Jeez, me cusses. He said, will you get away with anything next Sunday? But your Jesus, Pat's Belen, you're absolutely the, the best in the country, if not in Europe, at that kind of stuff. And, and I know that from a, from a slightly different point of view, from having competed in the Rally of the Lakes in Killarney many, many times, as you know. And one of the head guys there, Mike Marshall, I don't know if you know Mike from Killarney. Uh, he, he, he gave me a, a copy of his book a couple of weeks ago. Good man himself. But Mike was brilliant because... Um, the, the governing body of motorsport would put down these rules and regulations and Mike would with all due respect to him now and I ho- hope I'm not libeling the man or anything like that but he found every freaking loophole in it to to break the rules break them in the sense that uh, you could only start for example 120 cars in a rally that was the regulation at the time I remember doing the rally of the lakes one year 132 cars started Right, <laughs> but no, you're on the point. You're on Tomas. Tomas, Mike's Mike's uh, logic about this thing was on the first loop of a rally, like over Ball's Gap, not everybody is going to finish. Yes. So therefore, the the amount of cars counted was actually at the end of the stage, not at the <laughs> beginning, which I thought was just brilliant. And and you're right, Mick. And Miko's logic was, which was brilliant. He said. He can't pull us up for an illegal hand pass next week because this is after showing us. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mr. I'm Mr. I'm Mr. Lester. You're on the back cover of that book, by the way, in the ditch. Uh, listen, listen. Which particular <laughs> ditch was this kind of Jesus? <laughs> um, David, David, coming back to your good self. Um, you, your referee at All Ireland final at the end of July, big occasion, full house in Croke Park, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but obviously, you're 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 back to the the nuts and bolts, if you like, of the whole thing and club football and that kind of stuff. Yeah, back to meet uh, championship, uh, pretty much. I, I took a couple of weeks off to get a bit of sun myself, and I refereed man. there, um, uh, Ballinabracky and Wolf Tones there at the weekend, and the draw was done last night for for the Mead uh, quarterfinals the intermediate and the senior and the relegation so we've all that to look forward to and uh, you know it's just busy season at the moment but it's great and it's great to be back home referee and I love the Mead Senior Championship um, and uh, I, I hope hopefully I'll get a quarter final now um, uh, and uh, in two weeks time like when, when you go as I said to you from a big occasion like that does it feel strange to go back into a club situation no, I'm very used to it. It's what we came came through. It's what I, what I would find uh, in the club situation. I was in trim refereeing yesterday. There maybe two or three hundred people, 
Um, if someone really disagrees with your decision, you really hear exactly what he's saying to you. You won't hear it in front exactly. But you yeah, yeah. hear it on, on the sideline in Mead, and uh, um, and there's a good bit of banter with the lads, and they like to see you coming, and and it's good good to, to meet up with them. And I enjoy it. Mead me club football is lovely to referee. David, could, yeah. David, could I ask you in terms of um, you 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 play a bit of tennis, I believe. I do. Yeah. <clears throat> In terms of your fitness, is there strict guidelines in terms of your fitness program? Are you monitored and, I presume, on a regular basis? Yeah, but, but, but my tennis certainly helps. I, I've uh, three quarter finals this week and I'm off to Manchester at the weekend to play on grass. Uh, I, I play an awful lot of tennis. Oh, uh, super. super. Brilliant. I, I, we would, uh, they would be very strict with our, with, our, with our fitness levels. We have to reach level 17.4 on a bangs bow beep test um and for most of us guys um you know i'm touching 40 this year and yes yeah, it's yeah. and yeah it's it's difficult at our age to be hitting that but you need to be to be refereeing at the highest level and unfortunately we, we had a couple of you know instances this year where referees didn't get that level and 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 uh it's hard it really is it's not an easy test um i saw bernard brogan doing it on the late late one night and he got to level 19-1 which is probably the highest I would have ever got to in my 30s um, yeah it's just not easy but if you're 17-4 and you're 14 45 46 years of age well, you're one of the four fittest 45 year olds in the country you know um, yeah it is minor you know and, and it is hard and we have where our GPS systems and our heart rate monitors and matches and you know it gives us a good sense of you know there was a break in, in the All-Ireland final there in about the 23rd minute like to sprint from one 20 metre line to the opposite 20 metre line. Your heart could be going 180 beats per minute at that stage. You're tired. The blood is flowing everywhere apart from to the head where it needs to be. And, and you have to make an informed decision. It's yeah. not easy, but you need to be fit to do it. Can I ask you, David? Can yeah. I ask you, how did you get into the tennis? I, I grew up uh, about 200 metres from a tennis club outside Slane. It's called Stagallan Tennis Club. And it was the only thing in the area, you know, during the summer, you go up there at 11 o'clock in the morning, come home at 11 o'clock at night. And yeah. And I stayed, I was coached from the age of 10 until I was 18. Um, and I play um, with my club here in Dublin now, Ashbrook. I'm chairman of the club and I play internationally on the GLTA circuit as well. I, I'm looking forward to Manchester's tournament this weekend and I just love it. It keeps me really fit. Um, and we would have won mixed league class one there at the weekend uh, out in Celebridge and it's just fantastic and it, it's a lovely break for me from the Gaelic oh, yeah. I, just, I, I totally I totally get that uh, apart from playing the sport apart from playing the tennis would you be a tennis fan as in like the US Open obviously is on at the moment like would you be prepared to sit up like late at night and kind of watch the matches and things absolutely I, I sat up to watch Coco Goff and Laura Sigmund and yeah. <coughs> I do a bit of commentary sometimes on Radio on the Great on the different Opens I watch them all I would have watched uh, I wouldn't have missed anything of Wimbledon um, uh, at the US Open I've been to the French Open um, and I'd watch all the, the Masters 1000s throughout the year as well so Hi lads, how about a useless tennis question? So, what one part? What Temple Norman? Temple Norman won tennis in the Olympics and at Wimbledon won titles. I, I'm guessing, Pat. Here, you're the only person here on this conversation who actually knows the answer to that. So we will pause. Abel Sigerson Ormani from Dromore Castle, which is one mile west of my house. Abel Sigerson Ormani was the last person from Britain and Ireland. To win, he, he 
to win Wimbledon before Andy Murray. He also, Harold Sigerson O'Mahony, also won an Olympic medal at tennis. And as a useless piece of information, as yeah, I look out, as I, as, I, as I look out the window, the, 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 the O'Mahony's were, were the, out of Dromore Castle, like I said, which is a mile away. And I'm looking at the graveyard of where the O'Mahony tomb is. And here's a useless stuff now. So Harold Sigerson O'Mahony, Wimbledon tennis winner, Olympic medal tennis winner. He's in the tomb and there's something very unusual about it. All the gravestones in this graveyard are all facing east, except the headstone for the tomb of the O'Mahony, because they want all had to be buried facing west that they could look out over their domain. There you are. Hadl Sigerson O'Mahony. Cheers. You're winning. You're winning. Well, you have to Google. Fair pleasure. Well, David, my last question, right? Because for the two scholars... Fred, that Fred, have Fred Perry would have something to say about that past, but I've never heard of him. But we, Hadl Sigerson O'Mahony. Google it when, he, when you finish this program. Oh, you're with a Googling spell out. And, and he had a bad ending. He, 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 was drink, he was drunk coming from Glencar and crashed his either his bike or his pony. I can't remember exactly, but bad ending. But anyway... Good sport, David, career. David, David, <laughs> you, uh, just just for the two scholars that we have here for the last couple of weeks, there was a bit of Latin thrown out here and again. I see that you studied Latin in a big way. I did, yeah. I, I did Latin for my leaving cert. Um, so did, in, so did I. Classical scholars. And so did Latin yeah. there. They were thrown out. Any little cup cup of fuckle with the boys in Latin? Uh, Timeo Danos et Dona Ferentis. Isn't that one of them? I yeah, see, yeah, what did he say? I don't know. Vinny Vidi Vici is my big. Is my that's your easy one, Pat. That's my easy one. That's my go-to one. As as I explained, David, to the lads last week, um, from my, whatever it was, five years, I think, God help me, studying, not studying, sitting in a Latin class in St. Jarvis College in Chewham. Uh, the only thing that I can remember was a mo, a mass, a math. A man is a man is a man. Yeah, that's the other part. Yeah, that's I never, I never got any further than that. Okay. I admit, Sam, meant Sam, meant sorry, meant Sam, David, can I, can I just ask David a question? Because I, 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 he, he talked about the the, the very strict fitness tests uh, that referees in the national in the panel have to go to national panel. Uh, John, what I would like to know is what does he think about the age limit? Because I think, as far as I'm aware, John Keenan. The, the referee for the hurling final, because of his age, can no longer for next year a ref at inter-county level. Should there be that low an age limit on inter-county referees? Um, I, I think, Pat, at the time when this was brought in, there was a, a, a swell of referees on the national panel and mm-hmm. they, they needed to move referees on in their, in their you know, uh, uh, to, to let younger referees come in and, and get the matches. But at this stage, we don't have that. 50 is too young. I, uh, yeah. I don't understand why they're looking for another reason to get rid of us. If if we can pass a fitness test, yeah. yes. that's enough. That's enough. That should be enough. It's, yeah. it, the, the number of days you've walked this planet shouldn't make a difference. Yeah, fair David, D- David did, yeah. You ever, did you ever referee the small ball? Oh God, no, no! I remember. Moss, I'll give you a good one. I remember going to a to a a, a meet championship match when they were short of hurling referees, and I was in yeah. the line. And this is this is a, no word of, of a lie. The referee threw in the ball, and after twenty six minutes, blew the first free, and then blew for half time. I like it. <laughs> I still that, wasn't, that wasn't going to kick any by any chance. <laughs> I'd have to ask Ned. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. But would would you referee a hurling match if you were asked? No, I don't know the rules of it well enough. I I just wouldn't, and I don't think it's fair to to put put yourself in that position for the players as well. Like I mean, you know, it it if you're out there, you should be as well versed in the rules as possible. And and I just wouldn't do it. I I wouldn't be open to the criticism either. You know. Oh well, no, that's fair comment. Very honest, Elliot. Yeah. Looking forward. Last last question, David. Before we let us all go here. Last question. Um, obviously, this year, refereeing All-Ireland Football Final, huge occasion, etc. and so forth. Um, is it a case with you, have been there, done that, have the t-shirt, or would you love to do that kind of thing again next year or the year after? Or how do you feel about your your I've refereeing? said, um, Michael, that as uh, I would prefer to see a new referee getting the All-Ireland. It's very hard to turn down the All-Ireland if you get it a second time or a third time. You don't. Yeah. But like Brendan Cawley is coming through there. Uh, Paddy Nealon still has an All-Ireland in you know, a Martin McNally. And I'd love to see those lads um, referee All-Irelands. I'd love to be on the line for them uh, to support them the way they've supported uh, me. But I- I'm still shy of a, a Leinster final medal. I- I've never refereed a Leinster final. I've three Ulsters. And uh, I, I would love the opportunity to referee an international series match. That would be the yeah, that would be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, speaking of which, lads, um, the whole international rules thing seems to have gone sort of asleep a small bit. That's gone. That 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 board's just slow. I actually didn't know. There's actually rules in hurling, is there? Go to the tennis player now for a while, will you? Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, by the way, Spillan, when when you do go up to the graveyard, will you yeah. will you be heading east or will you be heading west? Yeah. I, I I'll head west. I'll head west. But but, but that's the one thing I look at hurling. I mean, and I don't know what David has an opinion, but I look at football, and football is left according to the rules. Uh, as best as best the referee can, but I look at Hurley and I see, uh, particularly in relation to the hand pass, I see an Alecart approach. Well, well, I in my to to my unscientific eye, that fifty to sixty percent of hand passes in Hurley are true balls. Yeah, you're, you're, you're pass. You're yeah. We, I suppose, yeah. You got Petty Collins done, and that's as far as this should go. But you let the hurling to the hurling <laughs> man. You know nothing about this. Where it's just been thrown or kicked or whatever. So I'm right. You're not right. None whatsoever. <laughs> You're not right. D- D- David, could I just ask you in terms of the championship? We we argued a bit there for the last couple of weeks in terms of the tightness of the championship, the games being played so in a short period of time from an older National League championship going week after week for players in terms of recovery and stuff like that. That must be hard. Must be hard. It is hard, um, but that's what I would want. Uh, if I want to be refereeing at the best level, the same as the players, you need to be playing week in, week out. And I mean, the split season is an absolute dream for me. I, I couldn't imagine going back to what we had before. I mean, split season has been absolutely fantastic. And I know from speaking to the players, they're totally for it as well. Uh, yeah, but do you think, do you think it's finished too early though? I mean, all Ireland series gone. Well, can I put my teacher's hat on now and say that it's certainly I missed the promotion of the All Ireland Finals yes. in some yes. Yes. yes, I think there's a huge loss there um, around having um, 
you know, the, yes. the, the, the green days or the blue days or whatever it is in your school uh, and having the kids and, and, and building up to it and promoting it and the songs and the poems and, yeah. and the yeah. We don't have early that and that's a huge loss. A huge loss. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because, David, back in, back in my time on all that, on the Sunday game and that kind of stuff, we spent, apart from presenting the Sunday game, we spent a lot of our time during the summer Driving around the country, doing as as you more or less alluded to there, um, doing feature pieces, you know, in local clubs or meeting some of the players when you could back in the day and all that kind of stuff, you know, because you had the time. Because there might be two weeks or three weeks before the next big match and all that kind of stuff. But everything is happening so fast now. There's no there's no time for any of that kind of, as you said, promotional stuff. Yeah, and yeah, and I mean, Mike, and there's more, there's more to it than that, right? In terms of what you yeah. said is right. A, a lot of our playing population are teachers, right? Look at the yeah. excitement in the school in the parish where the teachers getting ready for an All Ireland final, and then you have a situation: you win Sam or you win the McCarthy Cup. Tuesday or Wednesday, you're gone to every school that you could get within a couple of days within the parish or where the captain came from. That's 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 kind of lost. That's that was part of our. Heritage, the GA, or community, or everything—we've we've lost all that. Ah, sure. Look, um, listen, lads. I'm going to stop the conversation here, it's not because I'm not, as I said last week, uh, not enjoying it, but uh, I've taken enough of your time. Tomas Mulcahy, Pat Spillane, once again, thank you for joining us, and and also, obviously, this week, David Goff. Thank you so much for your time. You've been excellent. Thanks, man. Really well done, David. Well done, David. Now, now I just thank you. Before, before I close, before I close this week on the podcast, can I just mention that the next podcast that we're going to do is actually in two weeks' time, slightly uh, further in actual fact, September thirteenth. Uh, is when we're back with the next podcast. And also, by the way, if you want to tune in for that on September thirteenth, the podcast is entirely free. There is no charge. So I look forward to you listening to us. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Michael. Cheers. Thanks, lads. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Excellent. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 